Stories Without Boundaries, a podcast by Profile Your World. And I'm the cat, and once again here we're on Kings Beach in the sunny coast, Queensland, Australia, mate. And we are continuing with a little segment with um, Greg Andrew, who's um, I've said previously in our other um, podcasts, um, Andrew, Greg Andrew is a the um, well, I always said world's um, leading tribute, so Alton John tribute artist performer. Welcome back, Greg. Thanks very much, Dave. Um, now we're going to tackle you as um, Salton John tribute artist and your life and your journey that that really followed on from your many, many, many years as performing and performing um, across Australia and Queensland. Mm-hmm. So, how did you move? You were talking before about you're in playing in the piano bar world and in the casinos and you were managing entertainment venues across the islands and the resort islands in Queensland. What, and until towards the end of that time, you're obviously, from your business head, you're looking at the future and what you're going to do moving forward. Um, what, what made you think that you could go out there and um, set yourself up as, as an Elton John tribute artist and become global in that space? Yeah, yeah, well... As I say, I was coming, identified I needed a change from the piano bar circuit and the amazing thing for about, I was, many say I was a slow learner, but um, I never even thought of doing the tribute show. But wherever I went in Australia in the piano bar circuit, and for a good, I reckon, eight years, you know, in the lead up there, was people had come up to me and want me to sing Elton John songs and they'd say, come up to me and say, you know, do you, you know, you even look like Elton John. And it became a running joke because if I was away, the code was you'd never guess what happened tonight when I rang <laughs> Leslie at home, you know. You'd never guess what happened tonight. It's just constant. I mean, it was constant every night. So being – Can I stop you there for a second? Yeah. Do you see that yourself in the mirror? Uh, no, I never never saw it, no. Um, because I also say when I met you in 2017, mm. we did a story with, with you together. Um, I said, you know, when you first open the door, you do have mm. all the all the um the facial features and and the body set of Elton, yeah, Elton, exactly. Elton John. So it it does make sense. So the audience out there looking, you can't see this guy, but if you go into our Instagram page or Facebook page, you'll see a picture of this guy, Greg <laughs> Andrew, and he is like Elton John. So anyway, back to the story. I, th- I think I've developed that way even more so the older I've gotten. So say from thirty two to forty is this trend, what I call a transition bit, where people were saying this all the time to me. You've had no facial reconstruction at all? No, sure? Just not checking. that I can remember. There's been yeah. no facial changes, guys out there. He's actually a genuine face. No, no, um, no injections. No Botox. No, <laughs> no Botox. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, but so basically from wherever I went, this happened all over Australia. So when I was looking for some inspiration about I knew I had to get out of the piano bar circuit um, I had a full year, uh, full work that I could think of doing. And I thought, okay, well, it doesn't really matter what I think. If everyone else has said this to me, I'll look really close at doing an Elton John tribute show. So in that last year of fully contracted work I had, I think around 2008, um, I actually put my show together. That's how I looked for my band members. I researched, I bought all the CDs, all any DVDs I looked on YouTube. I, I owned, I just bought so many things where oh, I could. Elton John, Elton John music. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because in the piano bars, don't get me wrong, I played a lot of El- Elton stuff, Billy Joel, but you played everything. You're a jack of all trades. You played your human jukebox, you just played everything. <laughs> so um, it wasn't like, you know, you'd go from, you'd play Candle in the Wind, go into Crocodile Rock, go into Philadelphia Freedom, go. You, you just wouldn't string two songs together of the same artist, you know. Mm. Um, you, might, you might know, you know, three or four, five, six songs, but it's not like you had the whole catalogue. Whereas doing the show, it was all about attention to detail for me. So i got to say, you're, you're, <clears throat> the show today is called I'm Still Standing, the Elton John Experience. No, no that, that was a solo one more, so, but it's more the Elton John Experience that, and that, that's the show, isn't that's it? That's the show. Okay. But, but the theatre show, because I've 
the branding of the show differs on where I perform. So what I'm right. in the theatres, it's Rocket Man in concert or Rocket Man flying solo. They're my two theatre shows, solo or band, you know, the big band yes. setup. Elton John Experience is my band show uh, that we don't you – know, well, we have done that in theatres, but I try and change it up for theatres. Um, so I add – might add – uh, a couple of other musicians, yeah, video, okay. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so it okay. becomes a separate experience, you know. Yeah, okay. So back, back to you, all yeah. the CDs, you, you, you spend all this time yeah, yeah, yeah. understanding the music, music yep. types, performance. Studying the song. Well, I, I mainly built the show on his uh, around 1999, 2000 DVD there, his 60th birthday celebration. Um, because that... The format of the show, how the songs were used, all this sort of stuff. That's how the so- That's how the show started, and it's uh, progressed to where we do live. How he performs the songs live, um, you know, the versions that way. That um, the subtleties of how how the songs are performed live are different to the album version. And and the unique thing with Elton is that remember, there's not many artists that are still performing that are 50 years down the track. Mm. So from the 70s or late 60s and all those great songs of the 70s through the 80s stuff, through 90s, The Lion King and all that, all the musical side of things, Billy Elliot, uh, onto his stuff now that, you know, still performing. Um, it's quite, he's changed so much in a long time too. So my niche is, it's more like how, you know, since the 90s, so to speak, late 90s to now is how best suits my show. Yes, okay. And, and that's the most identifiable because that's what seems that people identify with the most um, with my show. That's, you know, with uh, look and all that sort of stuff, the, the outfits, all that sort of thing. So you went into hibernation, you got all the information, the songs, mm. the CDs, um, the, the visual <coughs> look, Yep. Uh, looking at his. Recordings to his live shows to his live the amount of research, yeah, because I had the time during the day to do it, and I performed at night on the piano bar. So that was the big thing. This is a very, very, very big undertaking, isn't it? I mean, it was. Yeah, you look at who you're trying to um, look at and, and, and perform. It's and it's also it's a live performance, so it's it's visual. Yep. So because if you look at your history, and if the audience can think of the other podcast we did earlier, looking at Greg's life. As a um, conservative music graduate in Queensland, you understand that he was classically trained. So, um, so moving from a classical trained person into a multi pianist and performer entertainment manager, then looking to um, impersonate or to, or to yeah. um, copy a musician a trib- like Elton John, yep. a tribute artist, you've got to present yourself and dress yourself. Yep. Um, I was very lucky that the timbre of my voice suits Elton stuff. And his playing style, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. It's a, it's just comes, well, I don't want to say comes naturally, but it's sort of developed into my style. So it's so amazing for me to to do him on as in to recreate the show was not so much I had to go back to the drawing board, piano wise or vocally. Um, those underlying elements were there. Mm. Um, but the big thing where I, you know, still to this day have to pay attention to is phrasing, dictation um, in the delivery of the song. So I might have the underlying um, tonal aspect, but for what of a term, I can't afford to be lazy. And, you know, you just keep in that mindset of how you're singing the song. Don't necessarily sing it like Greg Andrew would have sung it. Stay in how Elton sings it. Wow. Wow. What did your wife, Leslie, say to you? Was she part of the saying was she part of the support saying you need you should move into that to that genre? No, she wasn't so much in that side of things, but um didn't tell me where I should move into, but once I said this is what I'm I think I should do uh, very supportive along the way there. So she's a huge part, as I say, of what I do because when it comes to, um, in fact, Leslie's not, when I say musical, 
I mean, what is that? I mean, people take musical as, you know, do you play an instrument? Do you sing? Do you whatever? Well, none of the above for Leslie. But she's got what I call, um, in certain aspects, she's very good. Um, she critiques me harshly sometimes. Yes. Uh, you there, Leslie? She's listening <laughs> to this podcast. I hope you are, Leslie, listening to this podcast. You're about to get a rap on the knuckles as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, but but especially over because she's so familiar with Elton's music and she she, you know, she loved Elton's music, but she could pull me up when, when I was honing in on certain songs, uh, especially to do with phrasing diction where I might have been a little bit lazy or not, I think I'm paying attention to detail, but may, just may have missed it. She could pick me right up on that. And so we had many sessions at home in the early days around the piano, uh, just on phrasing things, playing something of Elton's, me oh. singing the thing. And so huge, huge help. But, but even in the look, uh, still to this day, you know, the hair, at least, as I say, at least my hair is real. Uh, but, but anyway, yeah. the way, you know, she, uh, things, that, things that are very important to the look, like with Elton, um, let's face it, a lot of people could wear, if you put a big pair of glasses on, a hat, dressed like the 80s, feathers and whatever anywhere, yes. camouflage yourself, so to speak, mm. you could almost be Elton. Mm. People don't see behind where, and it's just something that I'm very lucky to have these physical features to do. You know, if I wanted to do Billy Joel or something else, yeah, it's no good. But just so happens, as you said, that yeah. I I look physically like Elton, and it's and it's from that thing of um, even without, you know, for many stories have happened in travelling when you know I'd get on a plane or something, and you know. People would think I was Elton getting on. Yeah, of course Elton would get on yeah. that plane with, you know, the, yeah, with yeah. the public, you know. <laughs> you know. But of anyway, course, yeah. in some of these countries, they don't know any different. So That's right. So that you decide that was your journey going forward. Mm. That's been your life to today, living yeah. it out. But um, it takes a lot of things to come together to do that, including uniform. I mean, yeah. you, you, the costume. Costume, You were, you were saying, yeah. to, you re- previously um, talking about how you came across your costume. Um, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very lucky um, that um, he's a good friend of mine, or ours now. Uh, I actually played at her fiftieth, um, and I, I think that was you know eight years ago, maybe. Mm. Um, but she just so happened she's a wedding dressmaker as well. That's her profession. So she is an. Uh, Michelle is a, an absolute uh, chronic Elton John fan. Right. She she is like, um, she, she, I won't talk out of school, but she won't miss a concert when he tours. As in, okay. just at every concert. So front. she knows Elton John outfit. She would well, know. Well, this would, is the eye for detail. Yes. It's just so, um, s- such a bonus for us. We look at an outfit and... With her help, we'll design, you know, the crystals and, you know, the jacket style and all this. So, Michelle, um, there are a couple of other... Where's she uh, based, by the way? She's in Melbourne. Yep. There's a, a lady down the Gold Coast and another wonderful dressmaker on the Sunshine Coast that we use to cut the jackets and different things. But the final embellishment a lot of the time was done with Michelle in Melbourne. Yeah. And how many jackets and covers do you have, Greg, um, I, in your wardrobe? At the moment, uh, I have about 10. 10. Mm. That's okay. shoes, pants, you know, they're the complete outfits, shoes, pants, shirts, yes. jackets. So you went to work, you started, how many songs would you have to learn, like, to, to, to learn off and, and have, a, have well, a good... Well, well, the thing is, you know, in a, in a nutshell, you'd probably say, it's, compared to the piano bar side of things, it's nowhere near that. You'd say um, probably to start the show, you needed 25 to 30 songs. Wow. You know? Yep. So around that sort of side, and even today, yes, I've added more songs, but 
you've only got a certain amount of time to play the show. Yes. You know, like it, it's not like you can. So you structure this show. You take your music, your songs, and how long? You know, what you and play. really, really sticking to. There's there's certain things that um, I stick to greatest hits predominantly. Now, depending once again where I play, and what I mean by that is, is that if it's a theatre, I can, uh, you know, I make a point of changing. When I say changing the show, um, usually the theatre shows have more bells and whistles, so they'll have video. Uh, the the staging of the events a lot bigger than what it is in say a ticketed show at at a club in a lot of ways, you know, because when you're down to room size, you're, you know, what whatever you can do, you can't run video and all this thing in a lot of clubs that you play around. But but when you're looking at um, the theatres, you know, you can, there's a part there where I might um, actually just van goes off stage and I'll make a medley out of a few songs. A couple people would know, other ones the Elton Fanatics would know. You yes, know? yeah. But the point is it's just me and piano because that is essentially Elton. Yes. No matter what songs people love of Elton, they all start just with piano and voice, every single one of them. Yeah. But in 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 the other side, I stick to greatest hits. So when uh, in the clubs, there's songs that we'll do that Elton won't ever do now, but there's still greatest hits from the 80s, you know, um, some of those. Do you, do you recall... Heading off for your first venture, your very first Elton John experience venture. Do you recall doing that? Like I do. Really? Yep, yep, I do. It was, um, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was wonderful. But the the show went too long. Like, I did, I did basically what the show was of what I saw on the video, right? And the song selection, and all this sort of stuff. Fantastic, you know, everyone. It was a great event, but um, I was very fortunate. We, when I say we got through that, but it's it's all that um, when you're doing it for the first time, it's how people. That's you know, there's no as you said, nowhere to hide. That's right. You, you've just got to. You hope people enjoy what you're doing, even though you, I'd had all this experience beforehand playing whatever. But now this was the first time that I did Alton in 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. So 09, you, you, you yeah. kicked it off. Yeah. Um, and so from there, you let's just fast track everything here. Mm. You've played globally around the world. Yes, yes, yep. been very lucky. What? Just because people book you, or yep. you, or you, you, your names out there? How's, how does a person like you get the name out there? How do people see you? Well, yeah, way? good question. Like, there's been word of mouth has been a big thing. Like they've seen, as, as I said earlier, with that uh, up to 2017, there'd been um, Trip was from a. Uh, a performance in Norway, um, to you know, like things like India were recommendations. You know, so you get commissioned to play in India. It's not like you do public shows in India, but, but I've been there three times already to India. So where have you travelled? Where have you travelled around the world? Like UK, India, Norway. Yep, Japan. Uh, Sweden, uh, through all Asia, uh, Japan, uh, China. Um, I did a lot of different ones in the South Pacific with cruises. You know, so I, that they got, you know, that opened up, you know, a lot of things with Hawaii and um, all through the South Pacific there. But but all all the islands, um, you know, you do functions as well, um, you know, corporate events. Um, so a lot of the islands, uh, Singapore, you know, KL, and 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 you find a lot of the global entertainment agencies. Once they know you are genuine, yeah, good. Well, yeah, that's right. There's, there's always, and you know, it's, 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 it doesn't matter what you do. It's the same thing. If you know um, the person who you're getting is, you know, not just because of me, but top notch and not causing you any problems. Uh, that's that weighs a lot in in the business side of things, you know. It's a common sense sort of approach. Yes, yeah. you've got to deliver on your performance. Don't get me wrong, that's very important because no one no one books me because they might think I'm a nice guy, I don't think. You know, no, that's nice. It's a nice thing to do, but yeah, at the, the end of the outcome. day, there's no good being a nice guy and can't cut it at what you're supposed to do. Correct. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, when you travel, move around, like overseas, yeah. 
do you bring the band together across here or do you travel with your core band? Uh, sometimes, yeah, I've taken my band, yeah. a lot of the, Most of the time I have, but um, I had to, through logistics a couple of times, I've had to put bands together that have been uh, through other friends of mine that might be based overseas. Okay, yeah. So they vouch for the people, uh, for the musicians that can do it, you know. So, um, and I, so in this day and age, obviously it's, you know, everyone, you can, I know this is how I did it anyway, you, you can have a Skype hookup, say, introduce, you know, you say what we're doing, you arm everyone with the song selection. I do uh, all the pre-production, so like um, rehearsal aids. So, for example, the bass player, I'll do the songs, I'll have them recorded exactly how we play them. I'll have our band recorded and I'll have a click track there, you know, know, this thing going tick, 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 the tempo marker going through the whole thing so they can stay in time. But for the bass player, I'll take the bass out. So he can play it in his lounge room or in his studio and he can play his bass part. I can give a chart for it and he can play his bass part along with with how the song so goes. So you're doing all this prep stuff yeah. behind the scenes, yep. pre-production stuff, yep. and showing the other um, part of the people in the band what's being played from the Korg song yep. to their part. Yeah, I try and make it as simple as possible because that way I find um, eliminates, um, you know, just eliminates flying by the seat of your pants. And, yep. and the other thing is there's no excuse for people not to be Organized. Really proficient in it. Yeah. And it's really from the cruise ship experiences I've had where you're playing with eight-piece bands, orchestras, uh, sight unseen, so my charts are good. I've done my charts to the songs right. that that make it. So for people that read music, they can play the charts because I don't know whether many people know on a cruise ship, you never know, you never know the people you're playing with. So. And you never know whether they even know who Elton John is, believe it or not. Mm. That's another story. But I played with a band <laughs> once that didn't, no one knew. Uh, he, hadn't, he hadn't penetrated the old uh, Eastern Europe block country that uh, they were all from. From the ship. <laughs> one, but, of the, one of those ships. <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, um, that most times, you know, if you've got, Good charts, and what I mean by that is, um, most times people that read music in these positions are very good players. That's what they do every night for every entertainer, you know, on board a ship. But um, if it doesn't have to be in there, don't put it in there. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Just because there's this part, because you know, Elton's percussionist does that. It's not vital, and if you did a survey after the night. As people walked out, no one would know that that particular percussion role wasn't in it, so to speak. You know, there's, so I had to build the shows around me on ships, and that gave me the foresight to to in rehearsal aids to know that okay, if I'm putting together bands overseas, I'll build it around me too, but I'll keep all the variables because people have got time to rehearse the thing, whereas yeah. on a cruise ship you don't. I'll keep them all with myself. Yeah. A lot, lot goes into moving into this this world of performing. Performing is the easy part. Performing one artist like Elton John, yeah, and then having to organise yourself because before this, you organised all your shows. Mm. Going forward with uniforms and bands mm. and a lot more movement and internationally moving. Mm. How did you maintain all the bookings and things? Like how? Who, who now? Well, well, two ways is that I've always been hands on because I, I. I, I have good people, though, in different big agencies that will ring me, as in uh, if it's, if it's a, you know, in the days of cruise ships, it would have been one UK agency that's based in Australia here. Um, the biggest agency in Australia, part of Mushroom, books my show. Um, but I stay hands-on my own bookings because I think... I've just always had that hands-on approach where I just think no one looks after me. If I want to go for something, if I want to fill that, or I want to do this, no one runs that better than me. Mm. 
So, yes, I can say, you know, let's look ahead to October. What do I have in October? Okay, I can put the feelers out, you know. What do we have there? Where do we want to get into? What what do we want to do? And you, you, you can't do everything yourself, but you utilise good people in other areas that yep. may be able to open those doors to say, yes, uh, they've got your back on that, and then I can work out how to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so when you, when you, well, I must say, well, recently I saw you perform here at Kings Beach yes, in, in yeah. um, Sunny Coast, and with all, um, admittedly, it's my first time I've seen you perform, and I've heard, I've seen your advertisements up in different places over the last few years, but yeah, but you know, the concept for me was outstanding in terms of performance. Oh, thank you. But what really, really grabbed me was that, you know, you're on stage and you're performing, you're entertaining people. You know, playing yep. piano is one thing, knowing yep. music is one thing. Having a band in sync and being in, 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 that, mm. in that sort of um, light, being dressed yep. and then performing, yep. standing up and turning around and being part of being, being out on the job and then being, just being yourself. Because mm. there was obviously part of your makeup was that you like performing. Oh, yes. You're happy yeah. to. Show, show off and show yourself yep. on stage and, and entertain people, you know, it's phys- probably, physically. I am happy to do it. It's probably a thing where, um, you know, it, everyone's looks in their own. So you've got people that love the limelight, you've got other people that don't love the limelight, and there's a mixture of both. Um, I'd probably, I'd, I, I could quite easily sink into not being in the not, limelight. Yeah. Uh, but... That's not the position if you choose to go on stage. No, you, you can't, can't go. Uh, tonight, no, yeah. I'm just changing can we, my can thought. Can we just leave the curtain just, shut a bit? Is that okay? I'll leave the yeah. shoes off and the jacket off tonight. We're just seeing um, something that no one knows, but it's not on John. It's something else. No, so, you know, like, yes, I, I think, you know, that's the role of the show and, and it gets down to, um, you know, I think performing, there's always, no matter how comfortable I am in my own shell of doing it, but it's always that uh, I want to, it doesn't matter where I perform, if you're going to perform, there's no excuses. So I say I want people to enjoy. People come along to see you, they pay good money to, they could do anything with that money. You know what I mean? Buy, go out to dinner, do whatever, but they choose to come and pay to see your show. So I try and uh, always be conscious of that. I respect that fact. And I'm very grateful for people doing it. Mm. And I'm glad that they get um, a lot out of it, I think. Okay? That's, a, that's a feedback. Back. They love, obviously, let's be real, the, the, the real hero is Sir Elton John and Bernie Taupin because the music is so great. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm, one, I'm very um, grateful that people really enjoy what I do in portraying this wonderful music and giving them that experience because if they haven't seen Elton in a long time or they have or whatever, both overlapping crowds, if people have seen Elton, uh, they're very complimentary on, you know, especially when he toured here last year, late last year, a lot of people saw him on his last world tour, um, the Mm. Farewell Yellow Brick Road. So I'm very grateful that people who saw him will comment now on saying, oh, we went to, this was just fantastic. You you know, in their in their eyes, just like Elton. Um, have you met Elton John? Have you met him? I I met him is a funny word. Yes, I've been in the same room backstage. Um, he's been grateful to sign stuff, but you never spend time with Elton. Mm. Um, I spent time, oh, 40 odd minutes pre-show with his band. Yeah, which was quite amazing. But um, a lot a lot of Elton doesn't really spend time with his own band, believe it or not. Mm. So, you know, there's many things, you know. Yeah, my question, I suppose, is being into... Um, you talked about years ago about the fact that, you know, um, I think I asked the question then, you know, are you recognised by Elton John or are you recognised globally by that fraternity, mm. the Elton John people, the fan people? I, I think more so by the fan people, and I know he's aware of me. I know that because that came from, um, you know, helping with um, different things with backstage passes and different things like that, where 
And there's a lot of Elton fanatics worldwide that have showed my photo to Elton. I don't know whether it freaks him out or not. I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's love. I've got some a lot of wonderful support all around the world from what I call um, Elton fanatics. I mean, they, they know the band well. They know, uh, you know, they're, they're right at the engine room. Yeah. Um, far more than what I am, but, yeah. but through their responses and through their um, feedback of how much they love my show and support me, I think it's, it's something that's, uh, you know, wonderful to have. You tell a story, you've told a few stories about being recognised mm. as Elton John in different countries. I think, mm. was it Japan or Hong Kong or something? You said you, you arrived at the airport quite yeah. a few times and people want your photograph and there's Elton. All the time. As in, I oh, know that sounds very... Uh, oh, it's true. I, it can happen here in, in Australia. I, I was standing in... Uh, yeah, I, did, I think it was in Brisbane. It was in Brisbane here, believe it or not. I was standing there because... International flights, yes, I've got a tracksuit that looks like it's it's just an Adidas black and white tracksuit, top and bottom, right? Very comfy to go on an international flight, you know. But, you know, the mother sent the daughter up to get my autograph. I said, do you know who I am? Yeah. And she goes, and the mother's like, yes, yes, we do, Sir Elton. We, we, we do. We do. I said, I'm not, I'm not Elton. I'm not Elton, you know. But yeah, that's even here in Brisbane. But when you go into um, subcontinent Asia, I mean, that's yeah. where it gets a little bit, when I say out of hand, I, I mean in a nice way. Mm. But I, you know, there's a Viet, you know, Vietnam was a big one where I'd going from, uh, I think it was Bangkok to Singapore, something like that. Oh, no, it wasn't that. It was from Vietnam to Nang. To um, to Bangkok, I think it was some some sort of leg like that. Anyway, the whole plane, I was I was it, there's no business class on this plane, but I was in one A, so I was the last one to get on the plane, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so <laughs> so it's just a uh, budget carrier, whatever it was. I can't even remember what the plane was, but anyway. But I didn't realize I wasn't paying attention. Yes, I knew there were a lot of people in the same caps. All around getting on this, all, all the Vietnamese. What a, cutting a long story short, they are a Vietnamese um, travel, Vietnamese travel uh, consultants from all around Vietnam going to this big convention in Bangkok. So they all walked past me, and I'm sitting there, you know, and they obviously thought I was Elton John. Not a word said. They all got on the plane, right? So I'm the last one to get on the plane. I walk, I walk, <laughs> I walk onto the plane. The minute I walk onto the plane, the whole plane just screams, right? And I turn around, it's a rocket man, <laughs> rocket man's here. No, I turn around, thinking, what the hell's going? Yeah, you know, I'm thinking, who's behind me? You know. Yeah. And I sit down, and then I, I realise because you can see the the excitement in their faces, and uh, so. And yeah, obviously well. the English barrier, yeah, no one, unfortunately they didn't understand English that well, but I'd stand playing it. But then throughout the flight, the head of the guy would come up with, you know, would it be, you know, to sign. Sign bits and yeah, pieces, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is, and then I had to have a, the, the airline asked me to have a group photo, uh, would I mind, with the whole plane when we landed in Bangkok. So you know what the funny thing there is? Is that here? You got a whole plane of people that I'm standing <laughs> in the middle outside the plane, you know. Yes. As in in the in the airport with the whole thing with the airline crew, people walking past, they don't know who I am, but they think I'm important, yeah. so they want a photo. <laughs> photo too, yeah. Well, just just for the record, we'll get one here and come on. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out later. Then we'll do a yeah. face recognition and just check who this guy yeah. actually is. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing like, with Facebook, um, their facial recognition software tags every photo Elton puts up. This is no joke. I won't say every photo, but most photos that Elton appears in comes up tagged with Greg Andrew. Wow. 
That's all I hope that's, for. That's a problem with Scotland, John, isn't it? Well, I was going to say, all I hope is that every photo I'm in comes up with Elton <laughs> with John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Hey, Elton. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who's uh, this guy, Greg Andrew? Yeah. He's seriously in your face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, that's Facebook's. Well, you know, that's what I mean. The facial recognition software just picks our faces. Yeah. Like I said before, I saw you perform the other week here, and I know that you're – I'll say stuck in Australia, you're stuck doing mm. a lot of local, regional, and, mm. and, and, and big performances across um, venues. But um, the, st- the show was was outstanding, and outstanding from an audience point of view because um, yeah, well, with, with other people, very important. Yeah, thank um, you. And um, yeah, it was it was it was accurate, enjoyable, and entertaining. Obviously, well, a big part of that that you touched on before is, which I must give credit to as well, are my wonderful band. Oh yes, because they are good. all of them are very good. <laughs> they're you know, and they and they. They make uh, their attention to detail as well makes the show. Oh yes, they were know. fantastic. They were just outstanding. Mm. Yeah, outstanding. And you know, back back of house, the work goes on together and set up and to get it all worked out is is, is um something you un- that we me wouldn't understand. Yeah, uh, you'd see it happen just in the performance happens. Um, what what's your like? If you look, if you, there's other things there to talk about with yourself, but you look at the future and. Like look at look at Sir Elton John, those people. Do you, would you like to meet him one day? Or would you like to? Oh, you, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, look, whether it whether that happens or not, like it'd be wonderful to to be able to do that. Um, when I was in the UK, I went on my own little sabbatical. You know, where he grew up in Pinner and Watford Football Club, and that, that was funny. I walked into Watford Football Club and people started tooting horns out the front and all this sort of stuff. Well, oh. You can't escape, can you? No, it's funny. You can't escape. Um, but, yeah. El- El- Elton's lost. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah, back. And then uh, went to, um, you know, outside the gates of where he is now. Like, it's just a little pilgrimage I went on that, uh, you know, that, that was that was great to do. But it'd be, yeah, it'd be fascinating to, not saying we'd sit down and talk. Cause the funny, do, you want, do you want to meet him? Yeah, it'd be lovely to meet him. But yeah. do you want to? Yeah, yeah. Is, is it a goal? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm realistic when it comes to goals. Right. I mean, some goals like that are dependent on whether the opportunity exists and he wants to. So it's not really yeah. – it's out of my hands a little bit there. There's enough people I had an opportunity – I thought I might have had an opportunity last in last year. Oh, 2019, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep thinking it's last year. But um, I had some uh, good people in my corner to get a meeting on that, you know, in Australia. And um, unfortunately, he, he just didn't want to meet anyone after shows. Okay. Or, yeah. or before shows. He, he was very much, he wasn't, no one got to meet him at yeah, all. In and out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so look, you never know. It would be fascinating to, because I know, I know people who, do know him and who have spent time with him and still do. Yeah. So you never know. It might, you know, it might happen in the future. It'd be lovely if it did happen. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, last last week or was recently there was the 60th anniversary of Princess Diana's death. Mm. And I just, you know, you look at the, 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 the song that was rewritten for that. Yeah, film, amazing, yeah. Amazing, yeah. Did you stop for that minute? Did you think about that? Did you? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I, what, you know. What struck me was the amazing pressure he was under to deliver that performance. Mm. Because when you think of his own personal circumstance, it's, it goes far beyond just singing a song. Because um, in the space of three weeks there, he, um, his very dear friend Gianna Versace was gunned down three weeks before Diana. Diana passed. And the thing is, there's an amazing photo that's out there on the internet where you'll see um, Diana um, comforting Elton at, at the uh, funeral. funeral. Yeah, comforting. He's hysterical, just crying beyond belief, and she's comforting him. So from that point, you think three weeks after that day, Diana passed two of his closest friends, and then he had to sing that song, yeah, Goodbye England's Rose, to Candle in the Wind. Yeah. He had to sing that um, in front of billions. 
Yeah. Um, it, it's it's for it's not yeah. only it's not just a musician giving a performance uh, into that church and uh, under his personal um. It's his own. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a look. Honestly, that was a huge, mm. huge, um, yeah. Huge, performance is another thing because it's more of a, a personal thing that he had to override. You know. Yeah, certainly. Like you said, we we tell that story and we learn more about what you know. It's interesting to see how a person can um, perform and, and and get and up and do that sort of stuff. And not only that, remember the words to it. Like he mm. might have a teleprompter there anyway. That's that's what he has had, but even regardless whether he had it or not, uh, in that situation, I think you'd want to insist on a teleprompter mm. being under that much pressure. But say so there's no teleprompter in general. He had a song that he has sung to that point for twenty years to order to have to learn because he'd have to relearn the lyrics. Mm. For the new version, it's not as simple as just "oh, show me the lyrics and away we go." You got to learn them and how they fit in musically. Because that thing about learning music, yeah, learning, rec- you know, recalling and then performing, mm. it's an art, isn't it? And it's a mental thing. You need to have that sort of that sort of makeup where you can retain, learn, and recall. Yeah, well, well, I th- I think the way I explain it is is that. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know whether it's from many years of the piano bar or whatever. A lot of the time there, you'd you know people would ask you for a song. They'd be in the next night, so you'd have to learn a song the next day. Or five people would ask you for five different songs you didn't do, but they were in for the next two days. You'd learn them overnight, you know, and you'd you'd have to do them the next day. So, wow. um, the thing is, is that when it came to I'm, I don't know whether it's been trained that way or something that comes. I've always had a really good memory with music. Mm. Um, so even though I can read music, my ear is really dominant. So obviously with classical, you've got to read music. But um, So it's more um, to the point was if I learnt something classically even that was one note out, uh, and I became lazy at reading, I thought, oh, yeah, that's how it goes, uh, my ear would take over to where that would be, that one note would be in there still. Wow, right? yeah, okay. So so I've always had a good memory, if that's the word for music, like piano-wise and words just slot in. Yeah, I'm not saying you remember all the words if you haven't done a song for so long, but, but pia- piano-wise... I'd say hardly ever, you know, that's one thing I very rarely, if I go back, not that I play classical music now to any degree, but one day down the track, I think I might um, look look at that. Mm. Again, just some of those, you know, lovely soft classics, whatever. Yes, yeah. Uh, now, there's certain things I know how they start and how they play, but I used to play them all, but now I might have to pull... The music out to just brush up on a sentence speed. Brush up, eh? Yeah, that's the way. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. You know, yeah, so, yeah. so what, what's the the future? Like you look forward, look forward. What, what's the future of Greg Andrew going forward musically in life? You know, you, you live on Bribey Island, which you yep. have for many, many years. Yep. Um, which, for those who don't know, is a beautiful part of the world, which is um sits on the um on the um Bribey Island itself, and it's about sort of half an hour north of Brisbane. And south of same south of sunny coast, but what's the future for Greg Andrew? Well, under the I'd love to still perform. How you know the momentum we were building into 2019 into early two, 2020 had a lot of international shows on, a lot of shows in Australia, all that sort of thing. Now, looking further ahead, I'd I think optimistically is that saying we'll still. That's where I can see doing the bigger shows, probably more so in the shorter term in Australia. Mm. Um, you know, the with this whole situation we're in at the moment is that um, the hardest thing is we need to get this sort of um, situation behind us one way or the other because that allows um, travel. Even in Australia, it allows travel much easier across 
no one's really looked at Australia as having borders, you know, between states. No. We do, but but you know, it's always but never contemplated. Whereas now we've got borders they between borders, states. Yes, yeah. yeah. So you know, you can't on a. I don't look too far ahead at the moment. I stay in the moment for whatever term. Like six months ahead, we've got shows interstate still, and going forward that I'd like to be able to build on that uh, into the coming years, and you know with travel opening up overseas you know to get get back to doing not maybe not everything I was doing but have the freedom to be able to do you know especially go Norway wise I'd like to go back there again yeah obviously because family connection and all that sort of stuff as well with my son over there um but really not being um you know enjoying what bribery has to offer as well you know I love the um Social, yeah, the fishing aspect, the the beauty aspect of it. So, you catch many fish, by the way. You're catching some fish. I well, I do, mm. but I have. have but to be fair, I haven't been. Uh, I, you know, on a subtext, I've sold my boat a little while ago. Right, I'm just waiting to get another one. Are you bigger? Yeah. You're going some cruiser, uh, international cruiser. Yeah. Well, that's one way yourself. to get overseas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can take. Well, yeah. We just do a cruise around the bay with with a few people well, on board. That's it. With mega hey. Might high, be. High yeah. ticket prices, that's the answer to it. High ticket prices. Really, cool. really high ticket prices. That's right, on my own launch. Yeah, on your own launch, yeah. Captain Fantastic. <laughs> Chopper. Yeah, way to go. We talked off this program about COVID and about the last year and, and we sort of made a choice not to, to dig, dig deep no, in, this, course, in this yeah. podcast, but um, we can't avoid it too much because we know that Every profession has a different profession has mm. a different impact on our global pandemic and this the, the COVID um, factor. But entertainment, we know, mm. we know from shutting down entertainment, shutting down movement, we know the entertainment industry being um, music mm. um, has copped it really hard. No doubt about, no doubt about that. Certainly has. Yeah. Um, and you made comment about about the impact on that, and, and um, um, I guess we only hope that. Um, that sense prevails, and like you said, mm. off off this program or off recording, that there's there's equality and fairness around entertainment, mm. where you have sport crowds pumping in, yep. almost measured politically, to ensure that that that, that the combination venues and those those all those um, stadiums get their their dollar. Mm. Um, we can just only hope that the entertainment industry, being the music industry, have the same opportunity consistently going mm. forward. Well, that's Is that right. a fair it, comment? Ab- absolutely, and it's interesting. It was pointed out to me once because you're performing shows. You don't think of the spin-off now. In a in a very basic thing, you think performing. Yes, you you're selling tickets for the public to come and see your show at that night, and you put on a show. But the spin-off to you putting on a show, um, when you look at the employment that show generates as well, within whether it's a big club whether it's a, um, a theatre. So you, what, you, what you found was, when it was explained to me, it could be up to 50 people indirectly that by you putting on that show that night spills into the, the community or around that theatre. People go to dinner, people do this, whatever, whatever. whatever. Uh, the employment within the theatre, you've got ushers, you've got um, the, the running stuff, the audio production people. Um, the backstage people, mm. um, you know, so that so when when uh, a particular theatre pointed this out to me, and you know, even the spin-off to if they're doing dinners in their area as well, mm. um, the chefs, the menus, the whole thing, and dinner show packages, those sort of things. Um, it's not ju- even though yes, I'm in the entertainment, and yes, it's it's a huge thing for all the entertainment industries, whether you're doing what I do, whether you're Jimmy Barnes, whether you're whoever, um, looking just in Australia, it's a huge problem. It's a predictable... People, you can put up with certain things and whatever uh, along the line, but the uncertainty is the hardest thing because behind the scenes, it's not... For, for music and promoters and all this sort of stuff, it's not as easy as just... You perform on that night. People pay money to come and see you. You perform. It's it's the well, I won't say unlimited money because it's not. It's limited, but it's all 
the money that's spent in advertising, the pre-production, the whole thing before you even get to opening night or, or you know, performance night, that unfortunately for the music industry, uh, it's not covered. So to put shows on, you can... The easy thing is to go booking shows wherever in Australia still, you know. You can, if the date's available, you can book a show. That's fine. You can sell tickets. But you've got to let people know it's on. Yeah, that's right. And that's the part Mm. that is the greatest uncertainty for promoters or advertising your show. Yeah. Because when you've got the the, um, aspect, and then you've got to have the public have the confidence that they're going to see to the show. In, yeah, because yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. knows I'll get a refund or whatever, but you get to the point where the public thinks, oh, can we be bothered going through the refund? Yeah, we can do it, but oh, why don't we just wait? We'll wait till it gets closer and then we'll buy a ticket. But that's where entertainment's changed as well because the booking habits of people have changed it's over this whole It's amazing how thing. impacts cult- change culture yeah. so quickly. You think yeah. over a year, but it's a very short period of time. You look back, March 23rd last year in mm. Queensland when they shut, when it shut, when it shut down, mm. we're only in, you know, July I know. 21. Yep. So it's only a very short period of time, but the culture and the shift and what's occurred has been dramatic, hasn't it? It has, it, and, it, and it's it probably sort of dominoed over from other areas where maybe people that had a, a terrible time, as in, you know, around that March, April, May last year, Think of it was the travel industry. Think of that industry. Like there's so many yeah. industries without just focusing on music, but I'm saying, yes, I can speak about music because that's my area. But um, the travel industry, like look at all the people had to cancel world holidays, the cruise industry, the all that sort of thing that had to, people had to count the amount of money in refunds and dealing with trying to get, you know, money back or uh, does your, you know, there's a, a period of time where, Travel insurance did pay for it, but then it didn't cover it, you know, and all this yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. I think there's a lot of um, residual effect there, I'd call it, of people having bad experiences with getting money back out of this thing. So, you know, rightly so, you've got to, even though, yes, you can get a refund out of booking mm. tickets, but it's made people more wary. Leave it to the later. Yes. They, that's why yeah. things like pre-sales and this sort of thing with ticketing in the music industry doesn't work as well. Yes. Now. Yeah. Because the pre-sales, people, there's no good selling things six months out. Yeah. That's what it's been like. So hopefully going forward on a positive thing, uh, people can, you know, the governments can sort this out where, you know, it flows across all areas. It's not just entertainment, as we keep saying, music, but hospitality, travel, um, you know, the accommodation, hotels, all that sort of stuff. It's all connected. Mm. And when you look at the amount of people that work in hospitality or tourism and I know, you know, feeds through to music, it, it, the whole industry, the, all the industries are feeling it, you know what I mean? So, but, but hopefully on the music front, people can, you know, have the confidence that say, well, you know, I'd say most people aren't after the... the play the violin, feel sorry for the industry side of things and we just want to be able to perform and have some certainty of delivering that date to people. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, when we go before the public and saying tickets are on sale for this, um, that people have the confidence of saying, great, we want to see that show, we're going to make plans to see the show. Um, Book a room, accommodation, get down there and, and, um, and, and, and know it's happening. And not... And not having the mm. back of it, but it could be an absolute nightmare because we'll have to change accommodation, we'll have to change this, we'll have to change that. So that's that's the world we live in at the moment. So going forward, if we can get shift a more that. shift that, I think that's going to have a flow-on effect through a lot of places. And and that goes across to tourism as well. Like, forget music there. If you could have confidence in going on a holiday within Australia somewhere, yeah. booking a comm, doing this, whatever, and actually getting there, yeah, uh, it's the same sort of philosophy, you know. Yeah, Greg Andrew, it's very interesting, you know, the, your journey, the, talking about how an artist, professional artist, um, musician, moves in, morphs into or decides to move into um, becoming a tribute artist. 
mm. because it had to be the hardest thing to do, wouldn't it? I mean, to to represent uh, a Sir Elton John his music for so many years now that mm. you've done mm. and be accurate in delivering it well, and then working on that, that accuracy to always live it out and then re-perform and perform live mm. and know what the audience wants to see from venue to venue and also change the way you approach venues. Okay, yeah. Even in Australia, because this culture shifts too from Melbourne to Sydney to yep. the coast to inland, a country moving around, mm-hmm. um, seeing that shift. Before we sort of wind, wind up this, our podcast with yourself, I'd like to talk about um, as a man and as a person because – when you perform live, that's it. It's live. There's nothing. Yep. <laughs> you, you make a mistake, it's notif- not noticed. Yep. You don't look that great. You're a bit, bit, bit down, you look down. You know, yep. you're not up. Yep. You can't be down. You can't be off. Mm-hmm. Everything's got to be accurate. Your band's got to not miss a beat. Yep. You've got to be getting on. Yep. How does Greg Andrew, as a man, maintain that, a performer and a leader and the key artist, how do you maintain your mind in, 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 in um, performance? You know, I try and keep things simple a lot of the time. Don't overcomplicate things. Um, and that would come down to the, well, preparation probably, as in, you know, um, don't, like when you go across the spectrum of that, the band, we all get on really well as friends, not just on stage, you know, which I'm not saying is a is a um, exception to the rule, but... You know, everyone is very respectful to everyone. We're all friends, you know. So there's never. I think it comes to the bigger thing is the old. The it's an old adage, I suppose, an old ethos of you know, whatever you're doing that way, treat people how you'd like to be treated yourself. Be respectful. That comes, you know. I think that the way your your personal skills make things easier on you know if you jump ahead to the day that you're performing. Those sort of things. It's never an issue. I've got to deal deal with things outside my control. There's always things you've got to deal with, like the things that are way outside your control, but don't dwell on them. Because the the whole aspect is is you try and keep it simple. The, the bottom line is um, people are paying to see a show. You put the show on and deliver so people enjoy it. That's, that's the... Uh, as simple as it can be. So no matter what technical problem might be going on, uh, no matter what uh, issues with a venue or something you might have, it's all totally irrelevant to the people coming to see you. you yeah. Know? So, yeah. And, and, and I always say you never... You, do you ever get a chance to perform under the optimum circumstances? Very rarely. So you've got to ride... You got to realize that, don't you? You realize and, and say, accept. "Look, yeah, uh, is there things you'd like to be able to do differently at different shows?" Of course, but you don't stand up there. You know, it's it's things that I pay. You always strive to deliver a better show. So, being hands on, you know, the quality you're delivering, uh, keeping hands on the standard. So it's not good enough to have you're only as good as your last show. That's the old you know, musical ethos, you know. doesn't matter what you've done in the past, so to speak. Keep it simple, what you've got to deliver to people, what, you know, respect your audience. You know? Yes, yeah, yeah um, it's true, isn't it? It is true. It is true. Um, Greg Andrews, it's been great to speak to you again on the podcast. I, 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 think, I think it's time for a bit of a, a, a plug. <laughs> your, no, it is important. People might listen to this and go, well, who is this guy again and where do we see him and is he really the true three professional you talk about well he is i see him live he's in front of me here right now and um here's Alan john lookalike and uh don't be confused and you can see um you can actually you can log on to you give me there the are details. differences though between us there are differences yeah yeah, yeah. won't start at the bank balance for a start <laughs> aren't you ca- <laughs> no, no. i thought you i thought you were cashed yeah. up no. he's, he's, oh he's, it's just a lovely line i use now you, and again he tripped down my doormat here and yeah. came in and, and there's Money, money went pocket. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, you're not paying me. You know, I'm paying you. I mean, um, uh, there's no commercial advantage in this show, by the way. <laughs> Nothing. Um, uh, give me a plug. So, talk about the sh- the um, the show. Yep. He, well, he, the easiest place. The website is uh, eltonjohnexperience.com.au. 
Uh, on Facebook, you'll find me at Elton John Experience. Uh, Instagram's at Elton John Experience. Yeah. So going backwards there, Instagram is at Elton John Experience. Yep. Website is? Uh, EltonJohnExperience.com.au. Yep. And Facebook is, it'll come up Greg Andrew, but the handle is at Elton John Experience. So jump on those sites, guys. Have a look. Um, when you've got through our two episodes here, hearing, hearing all the banter um, about music and an um, example of a, a great musician, Australian musician, local talent in Queensland, Australia, um, jump on there and um, see where Greg is performing next or read the stories, see a few clips and um, mm. a few live clips. But I can tell you it's really, really worthwhile getting along and chasing opportunity to probably book accommodation in Queensland mm. and um, come and see a, a show. Um, mate, thank you very much. Really, really nice to meet well, you. It's, it's a privilege to meet a person. I think it's, um, yeah, I think some people just, um, you'd always be like where you go because you, 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 you apply yourself in saying a simple, simplistic, oh, humble, well, thanks very much, approach. Man. It's been wonderful yeah. to be with you. <laughs> thanks a lot. Uh, thanks, mate. All right, all the best, guys. We'll um, see you next time at um, the little podcast. And um, that's a wrap. Mm-hmm.